This is Alicia Free, a badass belly dancer, musician, and real food enthusiast, here to help you feel a little lighter. Each show will dive into music that makes us want to dance. We'll share secrets of looking smoking hot in costume and everyday life. We'll dote on delicious whole food that makes us glow. And I'll throw in a damn sexy dance move you can try at home. Have you missed me these last couple months? I missed you. I missed producing podcasts for you. I decided to take two months off and focus on my family and businesses this summer. I did delight in showing Casey Chai of A Little Lighter podcast episode 42, some glorious waterfalls in Ithaca, and I attended a Hammer Sister party and saw Maria Hammer of podcast number 22. Jill Parker of episode 30 was there, and I headed to the Harlem Hofla in New York City to watch stunning performances from Tariq Sultan of episode 33 and Sianna Ariel of episode 47. Sianna and I got to go tequila sipping together in Harlem. I hope you've had the pleasure of meeting these amazing dancers in this podcast. If you haven't, please just scroll down and have a listen to previous episodes of A Little Lighter. And thank you to the A Little Lighter listeners I met in person, including Pixie, Pamela, and Doreen. I'm always thrilled to meet and hear from listeners, so I've had a lot of fun. And now we are back, and I have some amazing podcasts in the queue for you, including this one you're about to enjoy right now. Jelena Carlano is a world-class artist who produces dance shows and creates experiences for dancers and audiences all over the world. I've heard numerous stories from dancers in this podcast about Jelena's incredible positive energy and creativity and compassion. And now we will have the pleasure of hearing directly from Jelena. Aloha <laughs> from Hawaii. <laughs> It always sounds so transportive to hear people say aloha. Yeah, <laughs> it does. It feels transportive saying it. It feels wonderful. Nice. Jelena was the artistic director and main choreographer for Belly Dance Superstars. With her latest projects, Belly Dance Evolution and Jelena's BD experience, she generously shares her visionary production process with dancers from around the world. She has influenced so many of the dancers that we know and love. She creates a colorful Middle Eastern fusion repertoire while still maintaining her passion for the roots and heritage of the art form. Her work also represents collaborations with some of the world's leading instructors and performers. In addition to her production, she proudly leads outreach programs like BD Empower that brings dance to girls at risk, women's homeless shelters, and women's prisons. Her unique hashtag Together We Move, which is with a number two, hashtag Together We Move, and Paso Por Paso, which is spelled P-A-S-O-X, P-A-S-O as three words. These programs supported over 100 belly dance teachers in over 30 countries during the lockdown and continue to help support the belly dance economy around the globe. Jelena travels extensively, creating productions and teaching seminars that embody her unique style and dance education. Jelena also advocates a local dance community, owning the creative hub Evolution Dance Studios in North Hollywood. And I've been on the site to see how innovative you are with booking the different rooms in your studio. I was blown away, Jelena, with how yeah. you run your businesses. It's a state-of-the-art studio. It's so special. <sighs> so cool. It's just amazing to see what's possible. You've really pushed the edges of what's possible for so many of us. This is going to be an amazing conversation. <laughs> and Jelena's vibrant ability to connect with people on and off the dance floor continues to influence dancers and entertain audiences worldwide. And you can see the schedule for Jelena's online classes, which she just finished teaching one and ran here for this interview. And she has instructional videos and so much more on www.jelena, that's with a J-I-L-L-I-N-A, jelena.com. 
jelena.com. All right, on with the questions. I mean, your bio doesn't even start to describe <laughs> what you've done and who well, you I are. I love that we started off with travels the world extensively, and that obviously has changed a oh, lot. Oh, true, true. So, yeah, I had to adapt, rethinking things and a time for reflection. Since I couldn't go outside, I really went inside, and I really mean deep inner reflection and taking a moment to rethink how I want to approach dance and what my purpose is in the community. This is being recorded in June, 2021. So hopefully near the tail end of this epidemic, but who knows? Yeah. Yeah. So much has transformed in our dance community this year. Great. And I'm going to ask you more about that soon too. I'm going to start out with this Eshe Yildiz danceable ritual that she gave to all of us in one of the podcast episodes. It was episode 56. She was inspired by you and how you lead some of your circles for your belly dance experience project, where you start with breathe in all the love and gratitude, breathe out all of your fears and doubts. Breathe in all the things you want and desire. Breathe out all the things that aren't serving you. Now, I don't know if those are your exact words, but it's something like that, correct? Absolutely, yeah. It's really an organic thing. It's not a script. So it just kind of go with what's in the moment. But it's really about breathing together. And I truly believe that if we can breathe together, we can live together, we can connect. And sharing that space and the breath is incredibly valuable. Nice. Do you have a danceable ritual that you would like to share? Danceable ritual. When I'm getting into the space, I really keep that space sacred. I keep my dance space really clean and organized so that it becomes uh, sacred for me. When I go to the theater, for example, my ritual is I walk all of the stage. I put my costumes out and I start walking backstage on the stage and into the audience. And I really try to feel the space that I'm about to move into. So getting familiar and getting comfortable in those surroundings, wherever that takes me. Wonderful. Oh, I want to try that just walking around the whole space. Oh, it's so fun. You discover all kinds of things. And a part of it is I'm trying to prevent injury because I've crashed into so many lights or holes or screws, <laughs> like getting on and off the stage in the wings. So I walk in between every single wing. If they have them, I go up and down the stairs. I check the lighting. I check everything. So it's part of getting familiar and a safety check. Wow. Yeah, you've performed in so many theaters and different venues. I can't even imagine. Yeah. You always post amazing things on your Facebook page. And you recently posted a message that said, a time to heal. And it was a link to an online discussion called A Call to Action. And it was number two of this discussion. And in this event, you were going to discuss the boycott list. Can you tell us more about this discussion? Yes, it is a time to heal with our dance community. We need to have these difficult but necessary conversations. Last year, our black and brown dancers, dancers of color, put out this project called A Call to Action. And so many dancers from around the globe, they shared personal experiences of experiencing discrimination through their lens and through the lens in the dance community. And it was incredibly insightful, so touching, and it was really well produced and well done. We got to be on that journey with them and share that experience. So it was such an eye-opening experience for me personally, and I know for our dance community. So now that this boycott list is going around and there's so much misinformation, I think that's so important that we have to understand there's a lot of misinformation and the inbox is blowing up. So when my inbox is blowing up, I just, you said that in the beginning, one of my rituals is take a breath. And that's what I did. I had to stop. 
I had to take a breath and I had to ask myself, okay, what is the lesson here? Why am I on this list? What's going on here? And instead of getting angry about it, I really wanted to have a moment of self-reflection. What is the lesson here? How can I approach this situation with empathy? Empathy for somebody that I may have hurt. It's an opportunity for growth. Is it uncomfortable? Is it hard? Yes, it is so uncomfortable. But, you know, getting into that uncomfortable space is so valuable. And I just want to share that with others. If anybody else out there is feeling that anxiety and feeling anger or upset, just take a breath and let's approach this with empathy and with love. I think that's going to be so valuable. So they're going to share what they shared last year. So you're going to see their stories. It's from around the globe. We are a global dance community. And then we're going to have an open live discussion. We're going to have moderators so we'll feel safe. I'm going to talk a little bit just about my personal experience and how I've grown or what I've learned and how I'm still stumbling forward. I'm still stumbling through these. There's still a lot of lessons to learn and, you know, taking the opportunity to listen. That's something I think our community has not done enough of is to just take a breath and take the time to listen. So that's what's happening this weekend. It'll probably be online. So I know this podcast is coming out a little bit later, but yeah, definitely a call to action. Check it out. I really recommend it. I went last year. I loved it. And I'm part of it this year. Great. And tell me again, the name of the group that's organizing it. The company is Belly Dancers of Color Magic, produced by a friend of mine, Dr. Valerie Nefertiti. She's an incredibly intelligent woman and has a huge heart and, you know, like a real friend. She'll call me out and I'm grateful for that. That is something that is allowing me to have growth and move forward. I want to move forward. And something that's also important for me is to stand up and to be an ally with our black and brown dancers as we move forward. And we're going to change history. Yeah, it's so easy to just go into defense mode so you don't have to do anything, right? Absolutely. Contract, you know? It's really uncomfortable. It really is. Just thinking about it, my stomach is, you know, but that's part of growing pains. The great things in history that have happened didn't come easily and they probably weren't comfortable. So let's get uncomfortable together. Yeah. Like you said too, it's your friends that call you out on your shit. Those are the friends that give you the greatest growth. Yeah. I mean, you just love these people to consider what they're saying, right? Your friends that can do that. My friend, she called me the saint of truth once. And I was like, oh <laughs> shit. Like they didn't ask me for the truth. You know, that's the problem is nobody asked me for the truth. So that was great that she called me out on my saint of truth thumb. And I was like, all right, I got to put this under check. I'll give you a tip. When you want to give someone advice or you want to give some critical feedback, the best way to approach is, is go up to that person and tell them, would you be interested to hear some feedback? And if anybody ever asks you that, you're so curious. You're <laughs> like, hell no, get away from me. But, you know, just asking that because you break down that defense mode. So often, would you be interested to hear some critical feedback or would you like some feedback? So most people will respond positive and with curiosity. So that's a little tip for you. Yeah, great <laughs> sentence. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the one who needs the same of truth in my life all the time. <laughs> the funny thing is I was unknowingly <laughs> peeing one sometimes. All right, cool. Thank you. Sure. It's just so beautiful to hear you say I'm on that list. All right. What's the message here? Now, where do we go? It's beautiful. Absolutely. Jelena, I saw a video of you teaching belly dance to women in prison and I almost cried. 
I have a good friend who was incarcerated from the time we were 18 until we were 30. We turned 30 together. We were the same age. And when I would visit her, she would tell me about programs that she was able to be part of. I was so glad there were programs, but they were mostly about anger management. There were just classes. There was nothing innovative about it, nothing physical that I could see. So I was so blown away by seeing a little slice of these outreach programs that you've created. Can you tell us more about BD Empower and your outreach programs like Hashtag Together Remove? and Paso Puerto Paso. Yes. As I've gone through life, I've seen so many incredible dancers from around the globe. And I see how dance has changed people's lives physically, mentally, emotionally. And I truly believe that dance has a lot of healing powers. So I've seen women get through breast cancer or death or so many challenging situations. So I decided to start these programs, specifically the BDE Empower. So I've got the BDE, which is Belly Dance Evolution. And I've got my BDE Experience which is my Wizard of Oz production. And then I've got the BD Empower. So those are your outreach programs. So my team and I have been doing outreach to girls at risk. So teenage girls that are coming in and out of incarceration, or they're in a group home or in foster care, transitioning out of those situations and sharing dance and movement and letting them enjoy those benefits. Also in prison, we just mentioned that, like that was in Mexico City, by the way. So that was challenging on a lot of levels as you can imagine. But having that opportunity for women or girls who would maybe never have the opportunity to go to a dance class. Dance class is a luxury. A lot of folks don't have the means or don't think that they deserve it. So that was the motivation behind that. And it's something that I'm incredibly proud of. I try to do that when I'm traveling around. If the sponsor can help me coordinate something, like in Hungary, I did a women's homeless shelter with a Mercedes, helped me to organize that in Budapest. And in Mexico City, when I was there with Cesar Insurable, he helped me organize the entire dance company coming into a women's prison. I think there was like 1,500 inmates. So that was kind of the biggest thing I've ever done. I have to say of all the memories and you say, what are the big memories that stand out in your career? That's definitely one of my highlights, that moment and being at the helm of that ship with all the dancers with me because I was responsible for them. And I also told the dancers they didn't have to do it. It was a completely volunteer thing and I didn't want anybody to feel obligated, but everybody showed up and it was incredibly rewarding and it's inspired me to continue these programs. During COVID, it's more challenging. So I've been providing online classes. Once we start to open back up, I'm going to be doing a little bit more of that outreach. And I already did one here in Hawaii, Women in Recovery. So that was really beautiful to get my toes wet a little bit here on the island and start finding my way here into giving back to the community. But that is something really special for me. I'll share it. Paso per paso means step for step. I did this big workshop in Chile and everybody who donated a pair of women's shoes got free merchandise. They got a free CD. So we did this big shoe collection and donated to the women's shelter there. So that's how that started. And the online program, we've done two in the last year. And we partnered up with over 17 schools in like 16 countries, all in Latin America, all in Spanish. So me and my BDE team, we did these online classes and all of the studios could sell tickets to the classes and create income for their studios while they're in the lockdown. So it was an opportunity to make money off of my teachings. So again, something I'm incredibly proud of. The other thing that happened over this last 15 months was a program called Together We Move, hashtag Together We Move. 
And it started out when we started the lockdown and everybody was scrambling to teach online and scrambling to survive with their studios. It was really tough to see our community suffering that way. And well, I said, well, that's not for me. I'm not going to get online and do any of that stuff, but I'm going to turn on the camera and I'm going to film a bunch of classes and I'm going to donate it. And you had to fill out an application and you could take those classes. I filmed like 10 classes for their online classes, incentives, anything to say, Jelena is going to be teaching this week. Maybe they just needed a Wednesday night off. Whatever it was, I just threw the Dropbox folders and said, use it however it would be most beneficial. And the idea is to kind of help them through the economy of that. Because a lot of studios, myself included, were paying rent while our studios were empty and we were teaching in our homes and, and, and that sort of transition. And now as I'm transitioning sort of through that in different courses that I've donated, I've done two complete courses. And now with my workshops, I do it together. We move partnerships. Coming up for my shabby workshop in July, I've got a partner in Slovenia. I've got Ksenia in Slovenia. I've got Eshi from Canada. So wonderful to connect with her. And then some of my LA colleagues, Dance Garden LA. So they sell tickets to the event and then they keep 50% of whatever they sell. So it's a great way for them to make income while they're transitioning out of the lockdown. There's always a way, right? There's, yeah. there's always a way. It's like abundant universe. Everything is figure outable. There's always a way. I love the way you think. And, you know, it's hard to talk about myself in this way, but, you know, my name through the superstars and all the projects that I've done are very well known. So that's a good selling point for some of their students to have a well-known teacher in their programs. After hearing the recording of this interview, Jelena was inspired to open up her dancer instructor support program, which is hashtag Together We Move, 2.0. To all of you listeners out there who are dance instructors, festival organizers, or studio owners who've been hit hard by the pandemic. Thank you, Jelena. Check out the show notes for this interview on aliciafree.com and get the link for the application to be part of the program. There's also a link to Jelena's free masterclass called The Art of Choreography right in the show notes. So that's where I thought, what's the point of being famous if it's not to the benefit of others? Building your name and having lots of followers, so what? You know, if you can't make a difference, then where's the meaning? When I get to the end of my life, I'm not going to care how many Instagram followers I have. I'm going to care about the impact that I had in my community. And hopefully I've made changes. Hopefully I've made a positive impact in some way. So that was the motivation behind behind that. And then eventually I said, okay, I've got to get online too. So started my online programs. Nice. And it was a low pressure way for you to start an online program because you weren't thinking about, I have to make this perfect. You were like, I have to make this useful for other people. That's exactly my mantra. I was like, I have to get over that because I'm 20 years older. I'm 20 pounds heavier. I'm not the Jelena DVDs from, you know, 20 years ago, guys. So getting over my ego and then asking myself, is this going to be helpful for others? Like exactly what you said. So I didn't have that pressure that I had to market it and sell it and do it. It was like, you know, I'm just going to film it. It's going to be good. I know how to teach. That's something I know how to do. I'm good at that. Let me just have the courage to press the record button. Love it. Love it. Now it's time for some music. Danceable song. Is there a danceable song you'd like to share? Oh, I was just doing Miss Fahr Wahda. You know, it's got this Spanish flamenco fusion piece. I was dancing to that earlier, but the other song that I've been obsessed with all month is La Hobna by Wael Kafuri. And I'll send you that link in Spotify. I love the live version. There's two versions, but the live version, it just felt so organic. And I'm kind of obsessed with Wakafuri. I find that, oh, am I dancing to his music again? But I can't stop myself. I just can't. 
I have like music crush on him and the music has so much feeling for me and the textures in the music. It's my obsession this month. So Wakafori, La Hovna. Wonderful. I haven't heard of that artist or that song. It will be on the Belly Dance, Body and Soul Spotify playlist as well as on the show notes page for this wonderful interview. So that'll be fun for us all to dance to as well. (laughs) Awesome. From 2003 to 2009, you were the artistic director and main choreographer for the Belly Dance Superstars, performing with Belly Dance Superstars in over 700 shows across a dozen countries. What are some ways that the belly dance world has changed since then? Wow, that was such an impact on my life and so many lessons learned through that experience. And what an incredible opportunity. I just want to also talk about the great dancers that I was able to work with and direct. And I was a young director. I still had a lot to learn. So what an incredible opportunity also that Miles Copeland brought that project around the globe and gave us a lot of exposure. So how things have changed is the digital age. You know, there wasn't Instagram at that time. I think there might have been Facebook, but there wasn't so much of this international connection that we have through social media. And YouTube was sort of newish at the time, which was a wonderful launch for my instructional projects. I went from VHS, for those of you who don't know what VHS is out there, (laughs) that's before DVD. So that was that big old clunky thing. So I actually had instructional belly dance material on VHS. Then the DVDs came and I was like right at the beginning of that. And then YouTube came and I was right at the beginning of that in the sense that it gave me a lot of exposure. So it's like the 10,000 hours and being in the right place at the right time kind of a moment. So it has changed, I think, digitally. Also, the style has changed so much. You know, I traveled to Egypt so many times. I was going there seeing what the new trends are, seeing what's happening and how the music has changed since the revolution. The music has changed a lot. So things are evolving, hence the name evolution. Things are always, always evolving. Now, Shabi's been around since the 70s. Oh my God. Now it's like this Mahraganat. It's a fusion of electronic hip hop sounds with Arabic language. It has really transformed a lot. And there's different styles within that style. So it's really interesting to see how that has evolved and changed what's happening within the dance genre. This is interesting. You're going to get me on a tangent, but there's always the evolution of how I'm approaching my art and my craft. And now I'm doing these theatrical storytelling shows. So I often reflect back what's happening in the music. So back in my day, Amar Diab was the biggest artist, the most selling, the highest paid Egyptian artist of all time. This music, I love it. I dance to some of it, but there wasn't enough Arabic instruments. So that music has gotten far away from the classical music. Music, if people who love classical music. So we see how the music has changed. There's still incredible classic music coming out. There's pop music. There's the Mahraganat music. There's the Shabby music. So seeing how things are evolving musically affects how things evolve in the dance form. One of our original shabby artists was Ahmad Adawaya. He was the original back in the 70s. And you can see how shabby has evolved. And it's now into the Mahraganat style. Definitely a flashback of where it comes from and the roots. Great. Yeah. So social media and the music. The music affects the dancing. Yes. And the dancing affects the music to some extent, depending on who the musicians are, right? But that's right. And everything changes. The costumes are changing. Right now, the fashion is the high-waisted costumes. 
also tiny skirts. They're kind of like mini skirts. I'm a girl who likes a lot of coverage. I like huge skirts, full skirts. And I'm exploring a little bit with the high-waisted designs, but you can see how it's almost coming back to the, like that Samia Gamal style. You can see some of that influence coming back and how Dina was an influence and how her costuming has evolved a lot over the years and her influence. Right. It's funny being in the New York area, people are always talking about how the live bands and the clubs are no more, you know, all the live belly dance show with live music nights, even before COVID, they were on the decline too. Absolutely. And I think that happened in Egypt too, is that the younger generation wanted to listen to DJs. They didn't want to go listen to the Arabic orchestras. That happens, you know, there's still a lot of the great singers. And of course, the great dancers always have the best orchestras. I'm from LA and I used to work with a lot of live music. So being in LA and working with live music was a big part of my dance education and my dance experience. And I learned a lot through that experience. And there's just only a few places left with live music. And I don't know what that's going to look like after COVID. So let's see, let's see, let's keep those musicians employed, like purchase their music. Don't get it for free. Pay the 99 cents and buy music from artists. That's my plug for the day. Support art. Yes. You've performed in LA and Cairo and all over the world with live musicians, which is a dream that so many of us have. I'm so grateful that I'm part of a band. and Oh my God, it just feeds my soul. In a Gilded Serpent interview from 2013, you mentioned hand gestures. Yeah. Could you describe just a couple of the hand gestures that you use to cue bands? Yes. So this is how I learned. I would watch the leader of the orchestra when he was talking to the musicians with his hands, his body language, his eyes would get really big, or he'd like look to the side when someone would hit the wrong note, but he would pointing your finger horizontally. Okay. How do I describe this? Pointing your finger horizontally and then like rolling it forward, like a rolling motion means speed it up right? Mm. So that was one of them's like, let's speed it up. And then like making a fist, grabbing your hand and making a fist is like, get ready to stop or make a stop. And then the other one, which is my favorite, which is shuaya shuaya, is like pinching your fingers with the fingertips up towards the ceiling and then kind of like pulling down, doing like a pull down, like slow down, shuaya shuaya. So that is one that I've used with drummers and musicians often. So that's my other one. It's like, slow down here. <laughs> so definitely come as a handy. And you're a musician, so you'll get this. Is The most important gesture is listening. Listen to the musical cues because I can hear the drummer talking to the keyboard player or the violin player, I can hear them musically cueing each other. And once you learn those cues, it'll really improve your skill of dancing to live music because you can't always see the musicians. Right. And once you get the love for listening to the musicians too, your dance is going to be so much better. In addition to your connection to the band, you're going to embody it so much more. So... Oh, absolutely. And you have to put the time in. It's hours of listening. You know, when you're in the car, when you're in your bathroom or whatever, just always having that music on. Your family might buy you a pair of headphones. But do it, do it. Yeah, I used to drive my friends crazy. My kids love the most hilarious songs. Like they sing Garun Garun, you know, the Armenian song. Oh, yeah, I love 
they sing Lama Bada and classical Arabic they were singing today like they know that these are the songs that mom loves and listens to over and over again and the hours and hours of listening don't have to be completely focused it's better if they are right but yes when you're washing dishes you could be internalizing this so one of the things I do is I do choreography because when I was in LA my studio was like an hour away so I'd put on music and I'd start choreograph like listening to all the details of the music but I get so deep into it I often miss my off ramp (laughs) caution (laughs) caution don't get too lost but choreography is a great thing to do especially when you get faster at it it's what I call marinate yourself in the music marinate in the music so Casey Chai who danced with you for a a while I think I was looking back at old photos of you and Casey was making me so happy but she choreographs in the shower (laughs) oh yeah that's a great play but you got to be careful (laughs) because yeah So I just love it. You guys are always thinking about what you're creating next. That's what it says to me, you know. After touring for years with Belly Dance Superstars, you created Belly Dance Evolution shows and Jelena's Belly Dance Experience. Can you tell us some differences between BDE and Jelena's BDE experience? Yeah, so they're two separate projects, but they're also under the same umbrella. So Belly Dance Evolution, BDE for short, is a theatrical production with professional dancers. And we do international casting. We travel around the globe and we cast dancers to whatever area that we're in. And the current show right now we're doing is The Jungle Book. I debuted it in March and we're on hold for now. So we're going to be booking lots of stuff for 2020. And Jelena's BD Experience is a theatrical production. So it's like the varsity team. So it's for dancers who are intermediate to professional level dancers, because we also have a lot of solo and lead parts that you have an opportunity to be casted and you can dance the part of Dorothy, the lead role. So it's a great way to get the training in to get into the professional company. So if it's a goal for you, it's a wonderful opportunity. I think what people don't realize is I provide all of the production, the space for the training, all of the costumes, all of the online training. I come in with two directors and coaches. So it's a lot of intense coaching. We work online for about two months and you know people can go at their own pace. And then we get together very intensively, four to five days in person, working eight to nine hours a day, really wonderfully intensive. And then we present it on show. So it's a production. So you're part of a production. So you have the complete experience. So unlike the week-long intensive where you just learn choreography, you learn how to work with a group, you learn how to use a character, you learn how to do production. So I often have people who train with me, they just want to learn how to produce a show. And I take them on the director's track, like the production the Google Docs, the costumes, how to organize all of that, how to keep track of everything, booking the theaters, getting onto the theater, what a tech rehearsal entails. What does that mean? You know, staging, striking the stage, lighting direction, lighting cues. So it's a very comprehensive program and I've been doing it a long time. So my team and I are really good at it. It's really something so unique. It's something I'm really proud of is these projects and how I'm learning and growing with each time that we go out and perform. So I've also been so incredibly grateful to work with some of the top dancers from around the globe. It's an incredible opportunity, not just for the dancers, but for me as well. 
Well, Jelena, there have been several guests on this podcast that have been part of your belly dance evolution and belly dance experience. They talk about the community that you foster and I've only heard good things. So thank you. You know, I think that's important. One of the best things I ever did is I added circle time. And what that does is it connects us. We have a talk, we connect, we share, we learn things about each other. So we are personally invested. I'm always personally invested, but when the whole team comes together with that personal investment, that is a game changer. You care about the person standing on stage next to you. They may have had a hard time. They may have just broke up with their boyfriend or some other hardship or some other joy that you want to celebrate with them. So it really is an incredible bonding thing that we do in a short period of time. And I think there's one other misconception about these projects because people have only known my work with belly dance superstars. And I was the artistic director. I was not the executive producer. So I was not in charge of the casting and who was hired or fired through that company. So something that I'm really proud of that I'm doing now is I'm including dancers of different ages, different sizes, different colors, different shapes, and creating a diverse community. And it works so beautifully, especially with storytelling. So it's a win-win situation. And it's something that I'm proud of, and I'm still working towards with each and every casting opportunity. So it's something that I wanted to share because I think if you haven't seen it, and you only know the work with the belly dance superstars. A lot has happened in the last 12 years, people. (laughs) It's a lot of evolution going on over here. Awesome. Speaking of evolution, what are some of the people and experiences that have inspired you to evolve to become the very successful and influential dancer that you are now? So it'll be a little bit unexpected, but some artists that I look at are writers. So there's a writer named John Maxwell, and I've heard him speak live. And there's another writer named Seth Godin, and his most recent book is called The Practice. And what I love about these two is they talk about falling in love with the practice. And they're talking about writing, but why can't that be on my dance? It can be on anything. So I apply those philosophies into my craft. I fall in love with the practice. I fall in love with the work because it doesn't come overnight and you have to do it consistently year after year, you know, and just keep showing up and doing it. Seth Godin says this, and I just love it. You can't get to the good writing without the bad writing. So you just jump over that hurdle. You do all the bad writing to get to the good writing. And it goes the same with your choreographies. Seth Godin. My husband's mentioned John Maxwell. So leadership and... Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why I found him. But when I heard him speak live, he talks about the craft of being a writer. It's an artistic endeavor. So many great insights from both. Those two stand out to me. Awesome. Yeah, you've got such an exciting entrepreneurial perspective on dance. I love your marketing. I love how much opportunity you see. You know, Seth talks about that a lot, is your work should have purpose. Your work should be helping others. The driving force behind everything I do is how can my work help others and be of service? How can I be of service? When I show up to teach a class, I think, how can I best serve the people in front of me? How can I inspire them and help them to move and give them so much value for their time and their energy and for their investment? So it's something that he talks about a lot that really resonates with me. Wonderful. Yeah. It doesn't happen from usually just your own mind. It's latching onto these amazing thought leaders, right? And Mm -hmm. seeing how that was going to work for you. Wonderful. Let's do some dancing. Damn sexy dance move. What is one of your favorite belly dance moves that you can teach us to do right now? 
Oh gosh. You know, I call it the Egyptian twist. A lot of y'all call it the jewel. It's one of my favorite moves. Fifi Abdu does it. And one of the things I love about it is it really gets into working internally in the lower abdomen and in the lower body. So it's one of my favorite juicy moves. And you stretch down from the front and bringing the hips around and really like the end of the sentence is my favorite part, the little tuck and swirl at the end. That's right. Is there a different East Coast and West Coast jewel? Is that one of the moves that has the two different? Well, the jewel or the Egyptian twist, which is my terminology, but I'm open to all of it. There's so many variations because you can make it like smooth and creamy. You can make it with an accent. You can add like punctuation. You can do a lift at the end. You can do a drop at the end. You can lift and kick. So there's lots of variations under the umbrella of that specific movement. It was amazing to hear more about the food that you eat and how that relates to dance and your life dreams on Yana's Belly Dance podcast back in 2018. And I'll link to that and the video that you made of the food in your fridge, which was awesome to see how organized you are and how you think. You are just so thoughtful about food. And in the interview with Eshe that I had on this podcast, she talked about the healthy meal that you cooked for the cast of one of your shows, and that completely blew me away. I know how much time it takes to cook a healthy meal for a whole bunch of people, and it's really over-the-top taking care of people. And I'm sure it's hard to pick, but what is one vegan whole food ingredient that you love? Featured light in my body food. Avocado, without question. It's like the golden food. You can get so many healthy fats, good calories. It comes in its own bowl. It's the perfect food. Yeah, I've got a chocolate avocado mousse recipe on oh, my I site. Oh, I love that. I have one too. Have you done it with dates? Ooh, that's a good idea. And you can do it low glycemic by using like monk fruit or no monk fruit and only sweeten it with dates or really ripe bananas if you like bananas. So it's almost like a banana chocolate mousse. Because I try to do a lot of things low glycemic. Does that mean less sugar? Less sugar, so it doesn't... Okay. <laughs> and I don't think you saw it because I only had it for people on my newsletter, but I'll go ahead and make that YouTube clip public. I do a whole food prep in my kitchen, in my new home here. I got a whole new food prep. I tell you how I steam, roast, bake, swirl, chop, and all of my food prep for the week. So I do my weekly food prep clip that I'll share with you. Awesome. And then you have no reason to want nasty food <laughs> if you got it all ready to go, right? It really is a game changer. If you want to stay on track and then you just get hungry at that moment, the end of the day, you have that food ready and it feels so good to have that nutritious food. And I keep it simple. I keep everything fast. I don't have a lot of time. And especially in the middle of a rehearsals, we were talking about when I would cook for all the dancers, you know, I make a big old pot of soup. I got some lentil beans going on. I got some sweet potatoes. So just finding recipes that you really like, clean, simple ways to eat is really valuable. And the funny thing is like in the green rooms and in my contracts with theaters, I actually specifically say no candy. I don't want my dancers eating candy. And it has nothing to do with diet or weight at all. It's about energy levels. I put fresh fruit, I put yogurt, I'll give you your glycemic levels through some bananas. But I know from my experiences, when you eat those high doses of sugar or lots of caffeine, it's those highs and lows and crashing. So if you're backstage and you're looking for a candy bar, you better have brought your own. <laughs> uh, yeah, my mom used to be the woman in the office that had the candy bowl. And I'm like, Mom, what were you doing to other people? She, I don't know. 
<laughs> like, all right, whatever. Loves a candy ball. Like even I love a candy ball, but it's not good for energy levels. And the theater, it just takes so much energy. Performance day, it's like you're at the Olympics. That's it. This is your moment. Right. You want to have your energy available when you need it. Athletes, how are they treating their bodies? That's their instrument. That's their tool. Right. So yesterday I had the first gig with my band in over a year. It was awesome. Yes. Oh my God. Oh, I feel like the colors were more vivid to me today. Honestly, it was incredible. But I was tying the back of my dance bra on last night, which I safety pin on the sides. And I thought of you, Jelena. I was like, maybe I should change this. I've never thought about that with the bra. Like maybe there's some better way than poking the hell out of myself on the side. <laughs> It's just hilarious. So I know that you are a person that says, make your costume fit you. Don't rely on these little flimsy metal pokey things. Ebony, she really went into it. She was looking at one of your skirts that you had for sale and she saw all the rolls of snaps. And she was like, if Jelena's skirt's not coming off, then my skirt's not coming off. She said something really cute like that. Yeah. And we worked together. Ebony is amazing, by the way, such an incredible artist, such a gift to work with her. But something in my company is called two hooks and a snap. That is the golden rule. There's no safety pins allowed for several reasons. One, they can break. Two, they can rust. Three, they can injure you. Four, they make holes in the costumes. So it's just not tolerated at all in my company. I had a rule from day one and I've stuck with it. The advice I want to give is take that extra 15, whatever, 20, 30 minutes, sew those hooks on, make sure everything is super secure because like last night you're putting your bra on, you know, when you go to do a move or a dance or lift something or go or stretch, you feel so confident. Your mind is in the moment. You're not thinking, oh, if I lift my arm, I'm not sure, right? Because that's going to take you away. Plus, I really, truly believe it shows respect for the people taking time to watch you dance. Because if you don't take the time to fix your costume and the costume breaks and the bits fall out, I get so mad when I see that. <laughs> that's like my super pet peeve. There's very few things that get me mad, but it's like, really? You couldn't take the time? I'm taking the time to sit here and watch you. Take the time because it can really elevate your dance and it gives you an opportunity to be in the moment, especially when you're in a group. And to all the directors out there, make sure your dancers commit to that because if someone's like boob pops out, that's the memory of that performance for the audience. And how yeah, no matter how much rehearsal happened. What? Yeah, you may have spent thousands of dollars and months and traveling and all of this and then boom, but you've kind of ruined it for everybody. So it's about being on a team and taking responsibility and also out of respect for the audience. Well, Jelena, I think that's the last costume that I have that has safety <laughs> pins. I haven't worn that bra in a while. I love I'm it. Following up. <laughs> I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix it. I owe it to my audience. That's a good motivator too. <laughs> they deserve your best. That's all I ask when I watch competitions and I watch everybody. When I travel, when I go to these shows and events, if I'm judging a competition, obviously I'm there committed. But even if I'm in the show, I watch the students from the wings. That is something that has helped me stay relevant is I watch everybody. I watch the students. I watch the new up and coming stars. I watch the older teachers. I watch to see who's presenting what on stage and what are the trends, what's happening, what are people in the audience enjoying, what are they not enjoying. So it's always something of a lesson for me to learn. And I'm not a trend follower too much. I've always found my own voice in my own way. I think being aware of what's happening in your genre is valuable. 
Oh, I want to go back to what you're saying about watching other dancers, watching everybody in the show is you have a curiosity, right? You're watching from a place of not knowing what's going to happen and an excitement for that. A lot of us will watch something and we'll be like, I already know what she's going to look like. I saw that video, but it sounds like you have a whole different intention when you're watching. And that must mean you're learning so much all the time. Honestly, Alicia, I think you just hit the nail on the head. That's key. So if I'm watching a dancer that I know, and she goes out on stage and does the same thing that I saw her do last year or online recently, I might not watch her that long. I need to be surprised. You need to surprise your audience. You need to keep reinventing yourself and repackaging what you do well. So that's also something that's really important to have longevity. If you want to dance in a field for many, many years is to think about how you can reinvent yourself and also be curious. That's the thing is I'm so curious about choreographies and staging and lighting. And I think about everything. I love to sneak out of the backstage and go into the theater. I'll put on a galabia and I, hopefully the lights are out and people won't recognize me. And I'll sit in the audience and I like to view from the audience perspective. And there's so many things to learn. Amanda Hart was talking about all the different ways that you use props, these surprising ways that she hadn't seen anywhere else. I love seeing a show where someone's using a prop in a new way or just doing something a little different or a lot different. It's so exciting. Absolutely. And a lot of those ideas come from another idea. It's like, look how they did that fan veil and how that moved under that lighting. You know, I would have never chosen the color orange and how that reflected with the white background or just little details like that. And then I come back and I think, well, how can I tweak that? How can I make that unique to my productions or unique to my choreographies? You know, Amanda Hart, an incredible dancer, is one of the hardest working dancers I've worked with. I really appreciated her work ethic on top of her good technique. So she played the scarecrow. And what we did with her is we used like a sidey stick cane and her arms are kind of draped across it as she's propped up as the scarecrow in the show. So finding ways to help to support a story through traditional props and and often untraditional props is something that I think I'm known for that you'll discover in my productions. Awesome. Feel good. Look good, Habit. You are so well known for your authentic, collaborative, and amazingly creative energy and leadership. And I'm sure you have many great habits that keep you on track and thinking big. And you always look so vibrant and healthy too. So you must have some feel-good, look-good habit that you'd like to share with us. Yeah, honestly, it's going to sound so, so cliche, but it's just gratitude. It's something that my mom has always instilled on me is coming from a place of gratitude and being grateful, looking for the silver lining and looking for the little things to be grateful for keeps me motivated, keeps me inspired and keeps me creating new things. It helps me to stay in that creative space. So it's just simple, just staying in a place of gratitude, even when you're down or the times are tough. I have this, well, it's it's kind of a habit is I get to the end of the week and I call my three wins of the week. So what were my three wins? And it might've even just been, oh, I had this really incredible conversation with my mom, or I created five choreographies. It doesn't always have to be the tangible things. It can also be something that I found valuable for myself and for others. So you're celebrating and you're expressing your gratitude. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. The three wins of the week and breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. And what am I grateful for? I will never hear those statements too much. They always have something for me. Gratitude. 
and I want to release anything that doesn't serve me because we just hold on to a lot of things. We hold on resentments. We hold on to anger and memories. It's not going to serve you. And being angry or holding a resentment with somebody, you're the only one suffering. <laughs> that person has moved on with their life. They don't feel that emotion. You're the one suffering in that. So letting go and just releasing it is incredibly valuable. Hell yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Can I get a mm-hmm? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Tell us about something exciting that you have coming up. Oh my God. So casting is open for The Wizard of Oz in Denmark. We're taking the yellow brick road across the globe, and it's going to be our first production since the lockdown. But what's really exciting is we're going to be part of a huge festival, the biggest festival in Scandinavia. It's called the Danish Open, and they have teachers from all over the globe. We are part of their 10-year anniversary, so they're bringing out my team of directors, and we're going to be working with dancers from around the globe, and it's an international casting. So we'll be working with, of course, lots of local Scandinavian dancers, but I've already had some dancers from the U.S who are auditioning. So I'm so excited about that. It feels like getting my wheels back on and just getting back into that space of creativity and being productive. It's going to feel so good. The other thing is now that I moved to Maui, a lot of you know, and it's my home. I sold my home and I've moved here permanently. I also built a studio here. So I'm going to be doing small intensive retreats here on the island. It's going to be so special. I'm going to have that home cooked food, lots of healthy stuff. And we're going to tap into some of the Hawaiian culture here. We're going to have photo shoots. We're going to have haflas and all of that. So that is a new chapter for the next year coming up. I just opened them up for January, but both of them sold out already. I didn't even make it public yet. So I just had it from my students and colleagues that I work with. So hopefully I'll be opening up more of these dance retreats here on the island. It's so incredibly special here. That video you just had of you dancing in like the jungle and on the beach. It's like, oh, she's so smart for living in Hawaii. You know what I keep saying? Whenever we're like running around, we're like, what am I rushing for? I've arrived. Where am I going? I'm here. Here. I'm here where I'm supposed to be. We've been coming here for 25 years for vacation. So it's a place that we've always loved and appreciated. And that's part of the decision that brought us to be here permanently. Is your mom living there too? No, not permanently. She already came out for one visit and she's coming back out in September and July. I'm going to go visit her. So we're doing a back and forth kind of a thing. And I miss my driveway dances with my mom. That got us yes. 2020. Couldn't have done it without her. She's truly an inspiration at 82 years old, still choreographing, dancing, doing yoga. We just did our driveway dances and we filmed it so we could make people smile. And it led into uplifting for a lot of people. So that's all we could ask for. That's long term inspiration, those driveway dances, yeah. Jelena and her mom. So it's something to aspire to be when you're 82. Yeah, oh absolutely inspiring. Jelena, it has been such an honor to just hear your thoughts on what's going on and history and what we can do to be even happier and lighter. And I am just so grateful for everything that you do for our dance world and for the people that take a little trip into the dance world when you are in their prison or in their shelter and are able to experience some of the joy that we see in dance and the freedom. Thank you so much. Keep creating, keep on teaching and oh God. Thank you for creating I, I, this format and this platform. I think this is so valuable that we get to connect and learn and grow together. I'm really honored to be here, a part of this community and I'm going to keep stumbling forward and being creative 
creative and just finding ways to contribute. That's going to be my mantra for the year. How can I contribute? So we'll be seeing you guys soon online. And thank you. And please continue this incredible podcast form. I'm a super fan. Thank you so much, Jelena. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Please subscribe and let your friends know what you got out of this show. Dance with me on YouTube, listen to the music I've selected for you on Spotify, and try some free vegan recipes on aliciafree.com. This is Alicia Free, hoping this show helps you feel a little lighter.